Welcome to the second episode of Lead 3 Pods, Making a Racket. On this episode, we'll talk about Roger Federer returning to the tour, and El Peque, Diego Schwartzman, who just won his fourth title, and Igor Viatek's prospects for 2021 and years to come. We'll also have Shannon Hickey and Shaquille Serapal on the show later as we continue to talk about anything. They talk about our tennis experiences, Marvel, and we'll even have a more serious conversation about their experiences being women and being female athletes. I'm Nathan Lee, and for right now, I am joined as I am every episode by Sean Doherty. He will not be with us for the second part. That is very unfortunate, but at least we can have him for as long as we can. Sean, how are you doing on this fine Monday when we're recording? Um, I'm a bit sick, as in I have a cough <laughs> and uh, a slight sore throat and a little runny nose. Hopefully, it's not COVID because I got COVID in January. So. If I got another strain, then I'm just unlucky. Um, I mean, other than that, I have a test on Tuesday and uh, either it's going to be really hard or slightly hard. And I'm hoping for the slightly hard. But other than that, I'm good. If you listen to Flags and Fouls, this is the same sports econ class that he said he was going to drop. But then he realized the drop deadline was later. So he decided to stick with it for now. So this is the exact same class. It is stupid hard, not a lot of partial credit. Um, I, I saw one of the questions on there and then one of the answers that he put and then what was the right answer. And I was left very confused and very hurt in my brain. And I did not think a class titled sports economics would do that to me. But uh, sure enough, it did. Here we are. Um, very much so. And Sean, we're recording this pretty late. We're recording this at 1016. So why don't you tell us why you're having to do that? Because I can't record in my dorm because it's too loud and I don't want to kick my roommate out every time. And so we have these study rooms in our dorms that I like to go down to because they're quiet. But someone stole the key to the other ones and haven't returned them yet. And so they have one room open. And I tried to get it at seven today because we were going to record at eight. And they said they wouldn't have it until 10. And that's what time it is. It is now 10, 17. And, and, it, and it is awfully late. But And I, I've been telling myself to not go to bed or, or excuse me, go to bed before 3 a.m. Well, I mean... I guess I could do that, but man, I, I got I got to do stuff, and then I want to watch movies, and <laughs> and then oh, like, no, man. oh man, my my on weekends, my work ethic goes away away, and sometimes it's hard to get it back by Monday. You have a work ethic, sometimes. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that nice? Um, <laughs> I, I guess for now we can go into uh, someone who obviously has to have a work ethic because he is. 39 years old and is arguably the greatest of all time. Although people that are playing right now might easily surpass him. Uh, Roger Federer is wanting and will come back to the tour in Doha. His first match is Wednesday. He may play, I believe it's in Dubai the next week. But he's not going to play in Miami, which is a big Masters 1000 event that we'll actually preview on the next episode. He's not going to do that. Try to try to rest, try to 
really get at it. I'm not sure exactly what he's thinking. Is, do you think he maybe is going to go for the clay court season? I mean, that, that doesn't sure quite seem yeah. like the route he should take, but maybe he just wants matches in general and anything he can get it on, I guess, would be good. But to me, that seems kind of interesting. He's also in a bad spot, though. He's coming back in March. It's not like yeah. in 2017. Yeah, I wish it was 2017. Less of a pandemic, you know, more of veteran at all playing really well. <laughs> yeah, very, very. Although, yeah, more, more of Federer being 17 in the world and winning, winning his 17th major. And, oh man, those were the days. Those were the COVID, days. COVID literally was not a thought, except <laughs> in maybe some bats or pangolins or whatever the, whatever it's in. Whatever beast was it? Whatever um, beast. It was trans. <laughs> Completely transmitted through. Yeah, I know. Oh man, who knew? Who knew that would shut down the world? Yeah. Anyways, um, Roger Federer is back. Yeah. Uh, I really don't have any expectations for how he'll do. He could go out to Dan Evans in the second round or third round. I think is when they meet, and I'd be totally okay with that because he hasn't played since. When did he get hurt? Was it? A fat minute. A U.S. Fat Open minute. Was it the U.S. Open? Geez, it's I can't remember the last wild. time he's played. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we're supposed to know that. Last but... time he played. Oh, was it the Aussie? It was the Aussie, wasn't it? Was it? Did he play that? Yes, he yeah. did. Because that's when he. That's when he got hurt, and that's when he. Like, I remember watching that match, and then he played Novak. Kind of the same. Not really, hundred percent. So we haven't seen him in over a year. And he just came off wow. surgery, had another delay to coming back, and he's playing a small tournament. So he's either going to glide through like he does, or he's going to be a 39-year-old man. Well, I mean, he'll always glide. He'll always look like he glides. <laughs> he, just, he, just might, um, he just might be shanking every backhand and forehand with these. I think those that watch tennis, you kind of know the, the fetter bad. Where it's like he just shanks everything. That that's always what it feels like, and it just doesn't feel right. It and it feels quick, and it's just and it's like, oh it's boy, like, what you, is the other play doing? Why are they hitting it so fast? <laughs> Slow it down. It's like suddenly his feel is just not not there anymore. It's I I I never thought about that. When he plays bad, how he plays bad is amusing, and it's it's sad because we're we we love Fed, but. It's amusing in a way. Because then he kind of gets cranky. He kind of gets mad at himself. (laughs) Right. But in short, I think we we all in the tennis community really want to see Federer back. I mean, I I say that like he's not the most marketable athlete in the world. But uh, especially in the tennis community, we want to see him back. And we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. I mean... Which which way he goes? What are your expectations though for 2021 for Roger Federer in general past this tournament? Well, I would expect and I hope he wouldn't play the clay court season. It'd be better for his knees, I guess. So maybe he could get some match playing it, but I just don't see a point for him to play that. I feel like he should devote all his energy into Wimbledon, the preparations for Wimbledon, because that's his best chance of a major. Cause he never does well at the end of the year, or at least in the past few years, he has not done well, um, especially towards the U.S. Open. That, that's so fair. I see him, oh man, it's hard to see him winning a tournament just because I haven't seen him play well 
since the 2019 Wimbledon. So I expect him to win a few tournaments. I don't expect him to win anything big. Well, I mean, at the end of the year, he'll probably win Basel. <clears throat> he yep. likes doing that now. But, um, <laughs> and it's weird saying that he doesn't do well at the end of the year because, I mean, this is a guy who, who is great at the year in finals, has won so many of those, and uh, actually still holds the record for most consecutive U.S. Opens. He's the only man to win five U.S. Opens in a row. But he hasn't won one since 2008. So there, there's obviously been an issue there. And, and, and yeah, he, in 2017, when it looked like, oh, man, he won the Aussie, he won Wimbledon, Nadal won the French, but we, we knew that, and Fed didn't play. And Fed was always beating Nadal on the hard courts, did it three times in a row at the start of the year. And then at the U.S. Open, he totally faltered, and Nadal took advantage, played well in the zone, of course, but won it. So, so it is interesting at the end of the year. This doesn't seem like a good year for Federer. It does not, all the cards are stacked against him, not just father time. But I think you say, though, that you say that um, it would be bad for him because he needs to focus on Wimbledon. What other matches is he going to play? He's not going to get the rust off in something else, not as quickly. So I'm a little surprised he's not playing Miami. Yeah, I am shocked that he's not playing Miami because, eh, well, 2017, he won both. He did. With the neo-backhand. And I I guess he didn't really have a whole lot of match play going into the Aussie Open. So I I guess it could be different. So maybe he's just one of the... Because I know of times where I take a large break from tennis and I come back. And for one match, I play just fantastic. I don't miss anything. I just feel like I'm in the zone. And then the next day, of course, I play like Federer and I shank everything. So no, uh, he I, could I come in feel you on that one. and just roll for a few tournaments and then fizzle out at the end. That that could happen, and especially when you're a 39 year old man. This is as 19 year olds we don't experience this at all, and and we kind of want to laugh at it. And in 20 years, our kids will be laughing at us. Um, at 39 year old men, they 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 continuously said Agassi said it. In his autobiography, that you don't always wake up right. Sometimes you wake up, it's just not, it's not it. Uh, Venus has said something on those lines too. It's like, you know, sometimes you just, it's not, wake it's up not on there. the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. And then the wrong side of the bed <laughs> seems to get bigger and bigger every time. Um, so we will have to see how Federer does. And I, I'm just excited to see him play again. But I hope it, it become Iobi plays well enough to keep himself relevant and doesn't just kind of fall off. I don't think he will, but I would hope you, not. You figure at some point he's got to decline. He's forty. He's going to turn forty this year. I mean, if Karlovich can make it, so can Federer. Has Karlovich? Okay, the level that Karlovich is at, I don't think Fed would exactly <laughs> accept that though. Well, you're talking top. 30 at his best <laughs> when he really started feeling it. Now he's maybe top 100. I don't know what he is. I don't care what he is. <laughs> not high enough for Federer. So no, it's not. <laughs> I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think the 20-time major champion, although I'm surprised a guy like Andy Murray is still trying to get back into it. So you never, you don't completely know the motivations of these players. No. But, but we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Federer back in Doha. 
well, I'll be excited. And if he's bad, I'll just I'll just play a video game or something and <laughs> make him good. feel better. Watch, watch old <laughs> matches and I, I can relish in that. Just, just act like I'm watching Federer now. Let's talk about someone who did win a tournament. Won his first tournament on home soil. He won his fourth ATP title. El Peque, the 5'8", Diego Schwartzman, fourth ATP title in Buenos Aires. He beat Francisco Serendulo in the final. Serendulo himself had a great run, was a qualifier, but won so many three-set matches and uh, burned himself out. Uh, he didn't have a chance against Schwartzman and a fellow Argentinian. Schwartzman, in 2020, finished the year number nine in the world, made the final in Rome, beat Rafael Nadal to get there, did that on the clay, and then even made the semis at the French Open. Really had one of the best years of his career. And he seems to get better and better every year. And it, we've always looked at him as like, man, he's still playing so good. It looks like he's made the most of his abilities. But he continues to get better and better. And that, that's what's uh, so, so cool for us to see and so inspiring in many ways. What I want to ask you, Sean, is what are your expectations for him this year? How high do you think he can really go? Well, first of all, I can't believe he's only he's only won four titles in his career because he he's a good player, uh, especially for his height. He's very good, um, but he's very good on clay. And that's the tournament he the tournament he won this past week was on clay. Um, and actually, three of the four tournaments he's won have been on clay. But I expect him to do well in the clay season. And I expect him to do decent on hard courts. He's not the best on hard courts just because he doesn't have the serve that others do. He has a good serve, but he really he really excels on clay. So I expect him to have a mm-hmm. good clay season, especially when it's in the right time of the year and not at the very end of the year. Uh, right, right. <laughs> I, I I think that could be interesting too, and. Um, I, I hope he does well in the clay season. I think he will. Um, I think if you really go down the list of some of the better clay court players, I mean, I mean, we know Schwartzman can take someone like Medvedev's spot. We, we know that uh, Medvedev can't hardly win a match on clay. Schwartzman is also not from a wealthy background. Like sometimes I assume all of them are and, and many of them are, especially at the top. But he, his family, there's a story on atptour.com and it's his My Point feature essay. It was in early 2020 and I became aware of it watching Schwartzman. The commentators talked about it. And um, his family, they did make an amazing living. They had multiple houses, cars, everything. And his family lost everything. Government cut imports. The, the Argentinian government cut imports. And they really became pretty poor. They had to start selling. When he started playing tennis, he started to have to take flights by himself a lot of times. And it was really difficult for them to even have him play tennis because it takes a lot of commitment. We understand that even not being at a high level, how much money it, it takes to do that. I mean, we can only imagine what it's like to have to travel around the world like, like he did. And apparently he would sell bracelets. He would sell these little bracelets. He and his mom would sell these bracelets to cover the costs 
of these hotel rooms, which weren't even great hotel rooms. As dad would always say, they were great and had Wi-Fi and then they'd get there and, 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 and not so much. Yeah. No TV, no internet, you know, it, it might've been a little rough. So it was named after the, the football legend, uh, Diego Maradona, who was short in his own right. So I, I guess in some way it's fitting that Schwartzman is doing very well. And his great grandfather, the story is he was Jewish and he, his great grandfather escaped a train on its way to a concentration camp. And he escaped the train, the train car latched off. Um, he managed to escape, got his family to Argentina, and here he is. So, uh, great story is Diego Schwartzman. I, I just hope he does really well on the clay. And I, I think it's good for him to win Buenos Aires and, and see how he does. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Damage. <laughs> uh, look, I got tested today. We'll find out tomorrow. Hopefully it's not okay. a false positive. That'd be annoying. It's a, it's it's a not necessarily for him, but it's like it's a instead of a rags to riches story. It's like his parents were riches, then to rags, so he was then rags to riches because now he's doing well in tennis. The inverse, in a in a way, I that that is, and 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 that's I never thought of it that way. Riches to rags and rags to riches. Shouldn't that be his movie title? You gotta, yeah. We got to make a movie for this man now. I mean, yeah. Now, I want the money. If, if we pitch it, I want <laughs> some of the money. We don't make any money, so yeah, we, we could use it. We, that's our idea. <laughs> Pay us, please. That's our idea. You heard it here. If, if, you, if you pitch it to somebody else, we will come kick your ass if you don't credit us. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Um, that's not a threat. That's not a threat. Just don't. Just, not a threat. Just, you know, things happen. Things happen when people do, do certain things. Now let's talk about uh, the 19-year-old Iga Sviatek. Speaking of the French Open and clay, she won the French Open last year as a 19-year-old and did not just win it. She won it in straight sets. She dropped a total of 28 games. She looks so dominant and really looks like she can become one of the best players in the world. And I've been reading about her and she seems really just, she seems like her head is straight on her. She seems like she understands what's going on. She has a sports psychologist as well, Daria Abramovich. And I'm so sorry if I butchered that name. I I feel like I I butchered it already, but she has been the sports psychologist for Sviatek and that seems to really keep her going. I also find it funny. She, uh, Abramovich, um, suggested to Sviatek do Legos. So Sviatek has these Lego sets that she does. And I just saw that she, she finished a turbo pour. She actually did an Instagram story poll and which one should she do? So one I picked too. Um, and she's doing that. Apparently she has these Lego sets because she is really thinks really logically. So it helps her have structure and build. And apparently when she went, to Australia from Poland, she was traveling with these two Lego sets in her hand, and she said it was really funny because it was like, "Here are her bags, here's her tennis bags," and then she's carrying these two Lego sets everywhere. <laughs> like, that's that's funny to me. It just seems it just seems so cool to her, and her her team really seems to be solid around her. And um, 
she's someone you want to root for because she's and she's so she's fierce too on the court she she can hit the ball as hard as she wants to massive spin and can win in so many different ways but there was a you know in, in the australian open she continued this dominance that she had from the french won the first seven sets there won her first three rounds and then three or four rounds and then played um simona Halep in the fourth round Won the first set and then just didn't really get it back. Made errors left and right. And I don't, and it was like, wow, where is this person? Is she gone? You worried like, is she not, is, is maybe, was all this just a hot streak and is Fiatek going to lose it? She goes the next week. She wins Adelaide, um, the 250 event. Doesn't beat the best players in the world, but beats Belinda Benchich, who's coming up and, Beats her in the final 6-3-6-2, just crushes her. Pretty much crushes everybody on the way there, and it's like, okay. It was the best sign you can have because it didn't look like she just fell apart after that, after having a, one of, a really bad choke incident in the way. Um, and that was really good for her. So, Sean, I want to ask you, what are your expectations for Sviatek? First off, I want to point out how many young rising stars there are on the WTA right now. and. It is so difficult to tell who's going to win one major and then fall off and probably not win another one in their career. Mm-hmm. And who's going to win multiple majors like Noemi Osaka. Mm-hmm. And who's proved to us that she can win multiple majors and will probably continue to win multiple majors. I hope Shuyatek is one that will win consistently and I don't expect her to put up dominant performances every single tournament, but I would like her to win maybe another, maybe defend her title this year at the French and show a dominant performance at Wimbledon or the US Open and maybe win a Masters 1000. And I'd hope that her match against Halep at the Australian Open is just a coincidence or uh, uh, let me rephrase that is just a result of her being young and playing against an a more experienced player really, in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. And just not really, you know, she doesn't have all, she's won a major, but she doesn't have all the and she experience. She beat Halep at that major too. Right. Beat her one and so, two. So, and then luckily she proved that she could get over that loss and win another tournament pretty soon after. So, I would like her to do well, and I hope she does well this season. Also, she's pretty cool because she listens to bands like ACDC and uh, Pink Floyd, and she's an introvert, so I think she's pretty cool. Well, I guess I have to, too, on that point. Um, <laughs> I guess I don't have a choice. Um, yeah, yeah, she does listen to a lot of American rock bands, and she apparently got into that. She she seems like a very interesting character and um someone that you, you'd actually like to meet. Not that not that she's the only one, but um I agree. Sviatek really can be if she plays at that level and I mean I'm not expecting her to dominate a tournament like she did the French Open, but I do expect her to still have some sort of dominance and you would think she could be a top five player. Because as many young rising stars as there are. I don't know if any of them um, have quite taken it like she has. I mean, um, 
we'll just have to see how that goes, and we'll have to see how Naomi Osaka does too. We know with Osaka, after she won her first two majors, she did not do as well. She didn't want, she won bad by any means, but she definitely did take a take a bit of a dip. Actually, let go of her coach uh, not soon after that Australian Open. Uh, but now she seemed to find her way back, and um, she she has a boyfriend, uh, the rapper Corday, and um, and really her life seems to be together. She she stands up for social issues. Really seems to have her head on straight now. Not that I mean I think her head was always on somewhat straight, but she really seems to have it down. And I'm not sure who would beat her, but I think Sviatek is someone's like. Oh man, I mean, th- th- she's got the firepower to do it too. You're like, oh my gosh, Fiat can blow people off the court. I I watched the highlights of that final against Kennan again, and when Fiat would play well, it was just like she could take any shot and rip it. wasn't exactly a clay court way to win either. She was she was ripping the ball whenever she wanted to. It was like, oh boy, this is this is something. This is something special. She, if she does not become someone special, I would be extremely surprised. And you never know with injuries. We know about like Bianca Andreescu, yeah. who hasn't up until the Australian Open didn't play for a year because of injuries. She's had injury issues, but she did manage to break through at that U.S. Open in 2019, and then shortly after, of course, had those injuries. So we'll have to see how it goes. I hope Sviatek does well too, though. I agree with you there. This will be a very interesting 2021 season. I'm not sure anything, thank God, can be as interesting as 2020. And I really hope that more tournaments are not postponed. Indian Wells has already been postponed. Miami is still on. We don't know if Indian Wells is going to be played. We don't know when it will be played, if, or if it were to be played. The other question is the Olympics, too. We can oh, maybe yeah. get into that later, but... I forgot about um, those. You know, let, let's talk about that. The The 2021 Olympics. Actually, no, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. We don't know what um, we're talking about. <laughs> I was like, uh, about. they're 2021, but they're 2020. They had the night. They had the, okay. They had the greatest 2020 logo too. I know. Like that. That's just, that's just like, such, that's just like a. I'm blaming Novak. It's his fault. It probably is. Every 2020 is his fault. I, I believe that. Because he started off by winning the Australian Open. Yeah, he, no, he started off by winning the Australian Open. And and not only doing it, and he did it in a way where his level dropped off. Team was up two sets to one, and the Joker was like, oh, I guess I could play well now. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> it was like, really, man? Like, you really had to do that? You... We would have been happier if you had just killed team. Like it would have been sad. That match but made my stomach drop. It hurt, but not as much as got, the Federer match. Well, that's the true. One. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Makes me sad. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Was that match harder? To, what? What? Which one of the three matches? Let's rank the three matches hardest to watch. Twenty nineteen Wimbledon final. Djokovic beats Federer, and Federer pretty much outplays him in every part of the match except for three tiebreaks. The first set tiebreak, the third set tiebreak, and the fifth set tiebreak. Which, of course, were the three sets Djokovic won. The 2020 Australian Open final against team, where Djokovic, I don't know what was wrong in his head or what it was, and I, I may need to watch it again. 
He just seemed to drop off like he wasn't in it mentally. And then he came back in the fourth set, started to get himself back in it, and ended up winning, beat team, or the 2021 Aussie Open third round where he plays Novak. <laughs> he plays Taylor Fritz. This is a dramatic match where all the fans even have to leave because of the, the snap lockdown in Victoria. Djokovic, he, he does something, and he did do something. I, I, he definitely did in his stomach where he, with a muscle. Um, ended up losing the second and third sets to Fritz. And Djokovic just kind of, he still serves amazing, holds, manages to win the fourth set, wins a fifth, and suddenly game over and he wins a tournament. <laughs> Maybe. Are, well. Are, which one's the most? That's a, that's a long uh, way. Federer. Though. Which one's? 100% Federer. You know, some people say, <laughs> oh, if I could go back in time to change something. I'd be like, or they'd, they'd say they did stop the Holocaust or something like that. No, no, I'd go back. I'd tell Federer to serve it somewhere else. I'd the, tell him, I, I, you go for an ace here. You, you hit an ace and don't let him pass you. I saw a tennis channel analysis where they, they showed that it looked like Djokovic. Um, he was leaning out wide. Yeah. Federer hit it out wide. And what if Federer hit it down the tee? Of course. Exactly. The the argument would always be, well, why'd you get yourself in that situation? That's the same <laughs> same thing as any time, you know, um with with NFL and NBA refs. Well, why'd you let the refs decide the game? Why didn't you just blow them out? That's always uh mm-hmm. that that's always the argument. But I, I guess you live and learn, so, right? And Federer may never make another final. <laughs> I swear. I swear if that's the last final we see of him, I'm just gonna I'm going to erase tennis history. I'm going to burn all erase the it. tennis history books. <laughs> I'm going to create a, 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 not a virus, not like a biological one, a computer virus that erases all records of tennis. Could, do, do you think we should do a con, like a QAnon conspiracy theory about, <laughs> um, about that? Um, no, no, let's let's take some inspiration for it. I don't know how to get to the main part of the cabal and then the uh, whatever it is, you know, where they're um, having sex with kids or whatever. But how about how about the part where it's like, OK, Donald Trump's going to be inaugurated March 4th. Right. That was a, a new part of the theory. <laughs> how about and, and it was going to not it going to be, though, like Joe Biden is Trump or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I mean, why why not spread misinformation about misinformation, right? I mean, who, yeah. who cares? It's all the same, right? Anyway, let, let's say that Djokovic in two thousand and yeah, in two thousand nineteen, he became Federer. I don't know. Let, let's yeah. try something like that. Do you think we can get that going? How about? Oh 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 oh! So Federer, because no one likes Novak. He's kind of mean, kind of not very nice. But Federer, he's 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 just like he's the nicest person on earth, and so he didn't want to embarrass Novak. He wanted him to have a good time at Wimbledon. Federer's won it so many times, and he just he wanted it to be fair. So Federer took Novak's skin just for the day, you know, morphed into Novak, and then, understandingly, beat Federer. Who is dressed? Who is actually Novak underneath? Well, Novak was actually Federer. <laughs> All because Federer has a heart of gold, <laughs> and that's why he's you know, the goat. I, I, 
I, I don't know. Do you think this is crazy enough, though? I'm not sure it's crazy uh, enough. Probably not. I think it's like a lower level. It's a lower level theory. Yeah. I think it would actually be allowed on Facebook. It probably would be. So, so that that's Twitter. not quite good enough. That's not quite good <laughs> enough. But I, I guess we can stick with that. Um, well, when we come back, we'll we'll stop talking less about conspiracy theories. Sean, you have to go. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, it happens. Sean, Sean can get start. Sean, Sean can get started on <laughs> his uh, misinformation. I mean his his um, his Truthful. evangelical his yeah. evangelism of <laughs> of his new understanding of what happened in that Wimbledon final. Sean, see you another time. Sean will be back in two weeks. We will preview the Miami Open and maybe have other guests. We don't know. We never know. Don't act like we know. It's great. You love it. We'll be back in a little bit. Make sure you subscribe to Flags and Fouls and Making a Racket on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the second episode of Making a Racket. I'm Nathan Lee, and for this segment, I'm here with Shannon Hickey and Shaquille Sarapal, my two good friends from high school. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Shaq, you start off. Hi, I'm Shaquilla, and I'm a freshman in college. Um, I go to Midland College, and I'm doing a pre-med track. My favorite tennis player is Sisyphus. Oh, I wonder why. We'll, we'll, we'll probably get to that in a He's little bit. Cute. Shannon. Hi, I'm Shannon. Um, I'm a sophomore at Texas A&M University, and I'm a bio major, and I'm getting a minor in neuroscience, um, and I'm also on the pre-med track. Oh, so I have two people that want to become doctors. Way to make me feel stupid, guys. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I look at I look at y'all's classwork and then I look at mine and I just well, it's not quite the same. Uh Shannon, who's your favorite tennis player? You didn't mention that. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> probably Osaka. <laughs> Osaka? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean eh, hard hard not to love Naomi Osaka. I mean she's she it's is very great. awkward, and she's finally come out of her shell, though, and yeah. uh, standing up for social justice is- issues, even which, um, when you watch her press conferences in Indian Wells when she won it, that was her big breakthrough, and I guess 2017, uh, yeah, we wouldn't have guessed that. Now. We wouldn't have guessed that's the person that she would become. I mean, it's for sure. She was. It was so awkward, and it was almost. It was it was cringy. It was hard to watch, but I didn't. I mean, you don't even want to criticize her because it's like, I mean, what what do you do? She didn't know how to how to fix it, but she's figured it out. Now, with uh, Shaq's favorite tennis player, I want to go into Stefano Sitsipas. Shaq, why is he your favorite again? Um, I love the hair. Honestly, just long blonde hair. I love it. Hmm. Yeah, you sound like my mother. Um, <laughs> she, she does too. It's like I like City Pass. I'm like, yeah, okay. Hey, whatever. and he's also a good tennis player. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a good. Te- he's got a one-handed backhand. I'm working on a one-handed backhand right now, actually. Yikes! It's actually no, it's actually going pretty well. Really, both has a pretty decent one-hander. <laughs> I do have a pretty decent yeah, one-hander. He does. Yeah. He'll just slap them across the court. <laughs> you know, it's the only use I have for him. I remember Shannon, you weren't there. Um, I actually uh, thought I had, I kind of messed up my wrist. It wasn't bad at all, but I, it was like 
two or three days, but it was it hurt bad enough to where I started having to hit one handers in practice, and I'm like, man, I might have to do this for the tournament. And it was all right, except when I would return, it was yeah. really wobbly, and I missed like every return because I was not in a rhythm. I just like missed. Oh. I felt like I missed every single return. That's tough. Uh, speaking of uh, back in high school, um, Shannon, you got to have your um your your senior match you you got to have your last high school match yes me and Shaquille's okay. um double match oh man who did of we course. play it was um I don't even remember you guys uh, are Tascosa. much better at remembering we played yeah. Tascosa um we went on, we won our first match then we lost to the number one Tascosa team which was the first seed and then we got to play um Against another Tascosa team, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah was, oh yeah, they're number two team. And if we had won that, it would have been we Third would have played a playback, correct? Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, y'all really could have uh, gotten to regionals that year, but mm-hmm. y'all got it down all the way. Yeah, how about you not remind rate. us? <laughs> no, no, we I, choked I, I, people, real hard. No, people can know honestly. That there, there we were double probably... faults. Every other yeah, point. it was really the double faults that just killed us. We honestly could have. I feel like we could have beaten the number one Tascosa team because we were up. We were up because I, I, saw that. I remember their number one girl was still there, but she got her usual doubles partner was playing singles in the spring, and so she had a more unexperienced partner, and we really should have um, taken more advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I live and learn. Uh, so sometimes you don't even get the opportunity to double okay. fall what, four times in a third set tiebreaker. Sometimes I still think that, about that match and I'm like. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and it turns out that was Shaq's last, uh, or that was Shaq's last chance last. to get into regionals. Because, mm-hmm. of course, the COVID pandemic and same thing with me. I had talked about it on the last episode. I, I indulged our uh, probably very few audience members on. Um, on my uh, tantrum in my last district match, I indulged him on the um, how I lo- how Sean and I lost in a third set tiebreaker. I choked and then I um, I I let out my frustration in one of the more immature ways I've I've ever done it. Um, I threw my bag. I hit my racket. I did did everything I could, and then I had a come to Jesus talk with the um <laughs> with the with the ref. A ref that has been at my that I've seen at matches since I was like twelve years old, and it actually at one time said, "Man, you really have good sportsmanship." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And then I, <laughs> as, as I was having this come to Jesus talk, I thought about it. I but, do not remember this, Shaq. Do you remember? I this? don't actually. This is my first. You don't time remember this. It. You don't remember this tantrum. You do I not mean, remember. No. It. I know that you and Sean have both had, you know, your individual tantrums you know throughout the years this at, was at, um, this, your individual tournament but i can't really remember which one's which no no, no. well, well I, <laughs> maybe that says something but um, <laughs> yeah like the only <laughs> i don't remember which I one's remember. which they all blend together it was mostly sean at first and then it became me and yeah i remember that what was interesting though is once it started to become me we played really good anyway like I, I thought, I always thought that was interesting. Like I felt mentally, like I would just blow up and we'd win anyway. It, it felt like oh, it never wow. mattered as long as he played well and was in the right mindset. We won. 
if if I was fine, but he wasn't, it was over every time. Oh. Yeah, I as mean, as I was liked. always the one with the tantrums <laughs> between well, me and Shaq. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I was I definitely threw more tantrums and I got more angry, but Shaq got more like overthought things more. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I but you definitely like overthought things a lot more than I did. Mm -hmm. Because for me, if I ever like you know kind of was you know like mentally out of it for a match, I would just hit the ball harder (laughs) or just slap it more. Um, But Shaquilla would. yeah, it's just the different ways we deal with um, playing. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah, Shannon Shannon liked to hit the ball as hard as she could every time. and uh, Otherwise, it's not worth playing tennis, so, right? If you can't hit the ball as hard as you can, right? Yeah, she yeah. had a mean forehand. It Did was so sharp. Forehand. I was like, mm-hmm. wow. It was nice and mixed and she doubles. she still has it. Yep. Yeah, she does still have it. It was nice and every mixed, now and she then. could set me up. Now... <laughs> now now, I mean, yeah. on the other coin, on the other side of the coin, when she was I serving, think, I sometimes was worried, but. Yeah, I mean, I definitely struggled with my serve a lot. Um, I had like multiple uh, shoulder injuries throughout high school. And then I had one lower back injury that was like pretty bad um, for my serves. So that was like always a problem. But like once I, but if once I got like my serves down, like I could serve like pretty okay um yeah i forgot yeah me and bold we played um we played mixed my my was junior your junior year, year. Hit, it was your junior yeah, year and my sophomore year. year it was like a pretty good thing i'm i'm very comfortable at the baseline i really like just ground stroke battles um it's where i'm comfortable at it's what i'm good at and bold you know you're like what six foot and you're like super aggressive at the net that was a pretty good Sometimes. combination overall. So yeah. I would just like to say um <clears throat> someone stole my partner. I, I gave I, I gave you up for uh so that way you could go play singles. That's the way I like it. I mean, to think I guess. <laughs> but I, mean, I was I was a terrible um at that time you, you weren't terrible doubles that. player. Yeah. No, just say it. I was terrible. I. Well, I mean, it is no, unspeakable. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. But I, I but just yeah, have a feel between the two of us. I am like the far worse doubles player. I did not. At the know time, the it was closer. Doubles. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. And once you, like junior senior year, you it did. Was it was like that I picked oh. it up. Mm-hmm. It was like oh, okay, she gets it now. Yeah. yeah for for me, I was like good at doubles as long as I stayed back but whenever I was put up front it was just a bad it was bad all around I mean it's 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 difficult even I almost would have issues with I didn't have issues like playing at the net but there were certain reflex issues I had I also had to anticipate everything because my mm-hmm. reflexes weren't good enough to react in the moment Oh, no, yeah. I would assess bad reflexes. You know, it's bad when your doctor tells you that you have baby reflexes. No way. Okay, yeah, to be fair. To be fair, yeah, I don't think mine are that bad. I uh, (laughs) We we tested, then we tested on Shannon doing the the knee reflex. Yeah, well, no, that's at my doctor's appointment, they did the like knee reflex thing, and my leg like barely moved. Like it basically didn't move. And that's when my doctor was like, 
you almost have no reflux, <laughs> <laughs> which is like pretty weird considering I'd say I'm like, not maybe not now, but in high school, I would say I was like pretty athletic. And you were really coordinated too. Yeah, and I'm pretty yeah, coordinated. I've always, I've always done sports or done some sort of physical activity. So I was pretty athletic, pretty fit, pretty coordinated. But my reflexes were just so bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, something's got. I guess something has to give. I mean, yeah, we got to compromise somewhere. You have to compromise. You just have to take away (laughs) all the reflexes, I guess, to make up for it. No, my issue. Sorry, sorry. go ahead. My issue was always, and this is what happened um, when I had the tantrum. I guess that's almost two years ago now. uh, In district, my junior year is because, like, in my mind, I also have no depth perception. Not not really good depth <laughs> perception. So in my mind, the the ball that I jumped in front of Sean on um, at the baseline, both of us were at the baseline, and I basically jumped in front of him. In my mind, it was going to me. Like, it looked like it was coming at me, and it was actually coming right at Sean, who was probably about 10 feet away from me. So uh, that, that kind of illustrates my depth perception. At, at the net, I thought balls would go 10 feet about, Maybe not 10 feet, but maybe five feet wide, and they'd land about five feet in. Um, they'd land inside the line, and I would look like an idiot. Um, that happened a lot. I, I started having to say, if it looks like it's going five feet wide, hit it. And it worked mm. out. It worked out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, enough, enough about us with high school tennis. We weren't any good. I mean, uh, Sean and I were talking about the pros earlier, and obviously, they're a lot better than we are. Here's no, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah we were. We I were think Shannon and I can still make it up there in the pros. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play Osaka. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I, I yes, I am too in 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 tennis elbow. I'm, I, I, am, I am number one in the world. <laughs> Max, and then yeah, she's gonna tweet, "Hey, Shannon, let's go uh, on these courts and let's have a match." It would freaking kill me. Does Shannon even have a Twitter? Yeah, I right. do have a Twitter. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, just wait, you do have a Twitter. Yes, I, but I will say the only reason <laughs> why I made the Twitter was um, to just look at tweets. Um, like pertaining to the TV shows that I watch, <laughs> but I don't really follow anyone. I don't post anyone. I just like seeing um all the memes. Yeah, I think yeah. I actually, I think I actually followed you on Twitter. Now that I'm thinking about it, it showed can up. Can you and like I... not? Okay. Yeah, I can. I can go fix that in a little bit. Yeah. Why not? No, it was so embarrassing. I thought I would just make a Twitter and it wouldn't be a big deal and it would just be on my phone and like no one would know about it. And then my friend Carolina texted me and she was like, You did not just make a Twitter. You have to you have yeah, to it disable it. You. Don't don't let it connect Notifies to your you? contact. Yeah, don't if let you it connect, connect to your contact. If you connect to your phone, then the people But that's the thing. I like made sure I didn't connect it to my phone or like my contacts. Like I and I checked the settings and everything, but I guess it still notifies people and now people know that I have a Twitter and that was very embarrassing. Well, <laughs> you just have to change it to well, change it to a fake name and we'll um we'll figure that out. 
Don't don't nobody follow Shannon on Twitter if y'all figure out what it is. Her handlebar is. <laughs> I don't Just even know kidding. my handle. I don't know what it is <laughs> what either. Is your handle? It's Shannon Hickey. I'll just check it. I just um, checked it once a week um, when the new episode of WandaVision came out. Mm. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. That was good. And speaking of which, I I am... I, it, it, I don't know if I'm uneducated or uncultured or both, but I had never watched, except for a few of the Marvel movies, really in the MCU, not in the MCU, older ones, whatever. Um, yeah, I never watched just... them and... And I, and yeah. I, I don't know. You my came parents to never see got me Endgame with us. We all went to go see Endgame together, and then you watched WandaVision, and then you're like, "I'm going to go watch the rest of the MCU movies now," even though I watched the most even important and the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do it after Endgame, and then I just kind of was like, "I don't know if I really care." Yeah, some about WandaVision got me hooked, though. I don't know why it finally made me say, "Okay, I have to watch it all," but. It did. I, I guess the, I, I guess it was pretty funny. Even the first two episodes, I thought were slow. It was like, okay, can we can we get a move on this? But they were. Um, it was like, okay, am I am I really need do I really need to watch this? Is, it, is this interesting? And then the third episode finally got it. But yeah, I'm finally watching, um, the MCU movies, and now I am on Iron Man, or I finished Iron Man, which I had actually seen before, but I finished Iron Man. Now I'm on Iron Man two. Nice, nice. And I'm I'm going through the MCU, but I'm not doing the series except for Agents of Shield, which is going to take me forever. Going to take it's yeah, just stupid long. It's going to take me 69 days. Yes, I planned this out. If I to watch a movie or three, a movie <laughs> or three to four episodes, yeah, it was it was perfect. And I did not even mean to get 69 days. Uh huh. Sure. It just, just no, I actually didn't. I I really did not mean it. It was just a very <laughs> very happy accident that I got to. To sixty nine days, if if I if I had meant to do that, it would not be as exciting to me. It would have been like, <laughs> yeah, I planned this, but and it's also for me watching Endgame after, <laughs> like I watched Endgame first, and now I watch Captain Marvel, and I'm like, okay, I understand that, and then I understand I understand like so many things that are back now. I'm like, oh boy, I mm-hmm. I should have probably done this from the start, but I don't know. So y'all want to talk about, and this would be good. Y'all want to talk about the challenges that female players face, right? Sure. Yeah. I'm not very good at this topic. <laughs> I mean, we could just talk about like, you know, I can interject I rem- some, but I feel like Shannon would would be able to talk more about it because I I don't know. I just I would just say like you know the appearance of women. Um, and tennis and tennis is a very specific like um, you know there's a, a very specific stereotype that comes with tennis you know very high class very image oriented so I feel like there are like pressures on all tennis players and I remember you know there was that whole thing with I think it was not long after Serena gave birth to her daughter that she started wearing you know those sort of um what's it called the body you know, those, suit? like full body suits yeah and i remember she got you know um some feedback on that from people saying it was inappropriate and then i remember she was like i'm gonna wear whatever i want and then that one tournament i remember she wore like a tutu 
you know, to one of her tournaments. And um, here, here is one incident I remember, and we were thinking about putting this in, and I, I instantly thought of Elise Cornet in 2018 at the U.S. Open. Um, men have typically, to the delight probably of Shannon and Shaquilla, uh, have taken their shirts off, changed their shirts, whatever, uh, change them on the court. Because, I mean, they get sweaty. I mean, uh, Elise Cornet, she had walked back onto the court at the U.S. Open after a heat break timeout, and she realized she had put on her top incorrectly. So she went to the back of the court, turned her back, and uh, took her top partially off, not even all the way off, and just switched it around. And, And it exposed her black sports bra, fine, whatever. The umpire on the court immediately issued Cornet a penalty, deeming really? the incident inappropriate. Yeah, I remember that. A code violation for unsportsmanlike conduct. And I mean, it'd be one look if I had not seen guy after guy after guy take off their shirts in the middle of the match or after the match, we could at least debate whether there were there were sexist undertones. But I'm not even sure that. That's there. And in general, I do think you see that issue, though, with women um, in tennis, really in life in general, being criticized if it's like, oh, well, she looks fat or, uh, oh, well, should, it should Serena be wearing that? And that seems to happen a lot. And I don't get quite where that comes from to me. Yeah, I do get I, it, but I don't. I mean, yeah, she definitely I remember reading about that and hearing about that. It was so ridiculous that she got um, what, like a penalty for that. You know, like you said, I in tennis matches, you know, men change their shirts all the time because they get so sweaty, which is understandable, you know, and I understand that. And for them to call it a penalty on her, you know, she's obviously still wearing a sports bra. And I think it was disgusting that she got a penalty and it never should have happened that, you know, especially if, like you said, she didn't even take it all the way off. Well, and I, I guess we don't know if that's in tennis in general or whether it was a specific umpire, but maybe I want to ask Shaq this. Do you, do you ever feel those stereotypes projected onto you in any way? Not necessarily with you having to take your top off or whatever because you put it on incorrectly, but just general sexist undertones. Like Actually, you, your body has to be a certain way. Or... Yes. I have experienced some sort of double standard with me being a woman um and so it's a it was a couple months ago and i was trying to get my oil change for my car and so we had one of our family friends come over and he was helping out to help change it and my mom i walked into the kitchen and my mom told me to go help out so i walked out and i asked him hey um i'm out here to help can i do anything and then I'm not sure if he heard me correctly or if he misunderstood, but he told me to go get my brother. And so I honestly, I was aghast. I went back into the house, told my brother, hey, he wants you to help him. And then in my head, I was just thinking, why couldn't I have helped? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because he thinks I don't know what to do? And that was definitely one of the biggest experiences that he thought I couldn't change and change the oil to my own truck. 
and that I had to get my brother to do it. Um, so yeah, that definitely demeaned me. But that also, I want to say it's also because he came from a more traditional family. And my mom came from a traditional family too, um, in Asia and the Philippines, to where they're more inclined of, oh, men have to do this and women do this in the household. It's Generalism. Because mm-hmm. in America, it's more open-minded, I'd say. Well, there, there, there are definitely, there are still definite gender roles, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, but de- had... depending on where you are, um, it is more open-minded than even more traditional culture. Shannon. So, sorry. So going back to tennis, I have like my own story of like attire and stuff. Um, I got reprimanded by one of the coaches at a tournament once for what I was wearing. Um, it was, uh, I was playing doubles with Laney. So maybe sophomore year. Junior year. Um, so we have these purple Lulu tank tops. Um, it was a hand me down. It was um like an old middle high uniform, and so we were just wearing those purple. And Lainey had it too, so we were wearing those purple tank tops with a white tennis skirt, which sounds normal. I mean, you know, the girls' tennis attire tends to be very showy, anyways. With you know, with right. the short shorts, the short skirts, whatever. Um, and I just also want to say I was at an all girl side. So it was only girls doubles, only girls singles, and then some coaches. Um, I remember coach uh, Stewart came up to me and she was like, hey, she came up to me and Lainey. She was like, hey, girls, by the way, some of the coaches are saying that your tops are too low. And these are just like, you know, I guess, you know, it's just like a loose cottony, like Lulu top you know it's meant to be worked out and you know we were just wearing like sports rods underneath and I remember just being like wow like we're here to play sports and coaches are staring at our boobs like I'm sorry that made me that made me extremely uncomfortable and you figure we were like only 16 during Mm -hmm. that point and I'm just like first of all we're all girls here I don't think our boobs are distracting any of the other girls here so I'm like you know, it just made me feel super uncomfortable that a coach felt so bothered by, like, a, the very top of cleavage that was showing to go over to our coach and tell her about, to, like, reprimand us about that. Okay, yeah. I did not know that was you guys. I yeah. remember that incident, and I was in, I remember Carmen, or Coach, talking to us about it, like, about how... We have to watch what we wear. And and then from that, I remember, I think I have like a black Lulu top that was that per- that was just like the purple one in the style. And then mm-hmm. I just think, oh, is this too low? And then I look at the newspaper clippings whenever they take pictures of us. Mm-hmm. And I just analyze that and how I, sh- how my position of hitting the, all was too but <laughs> yeah we definitely have yeah. to keep in mind in what we wear because we'll get feedback from it negative feedback but it doesn't yeah i'm like i'm right. sorry the standard male tennis player's attire is like a typical t-shirt and long shorts but the typical female attire is tank tops and skirts and you know i would understand if it was like a low v-neck or like you know, but I was just wearing a standard sports bra, which a like, you know, flattens our chest if anything, 
and the mm-hmm. fact that this tank top used to be a Midland High team tank top and that I'm just like yeah like I would adjust it myself and like I'll like keep in touch with that you know maybe if I'm sitting down for a drink but I am not thinking about my boobs in the middle of a tennis match right and I'm sorry that you are well obviously I mean yeah on a, on a separate note that would obviously be distracting to actually playing well but yeah it's like that's not what you should have to think about or what you want to think about i mean if it was crazy yeah maybe like a really long v-neck maybe i get it to a point but even then it, it gets weird to me and and shaq said y'all had a conversation about watch what you wear and i actually remember one specific comment from carmen that um also when y'all had the white tank tops and they were pretty see-through and 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 she said specifically you need to wear the white sports bras and 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 both times now and then and i was thinking i've never had to have these conversations never had to think about that i never thought about um are people staring at me because um because of uh, something that's showing on me or, or whatever. I've just never had to think about that. And I, I don't, I, and that does feel unfair. It it just feels unfair to me. And I, I don't know what I can do about it, except, you know, not, I guess, not sexualize other women as I see them. I mean, sure. I think I'm a heterosexual male. I think women are attractive, but I'm, as a coach, I would never think to say that. And that, that would never come into my mind, I guess. I, I don't. But what if um, another coach told you that? What if someone with another authority, like an umpire, an official, what if they said that to you? Would you, you would have to tell your players, right? Or would you not? Ooh, um, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, e, uh, I guess I would have to, t- I would, here's how I would probably frame it. And I, I don't know how I would do it in the moment. There's two ways I'd go at it. There's the way of, look, I don't want the players being distracted or thinking about anything else. So I just got to keep it under wraps, whatever it is. The other option is tell them and say, okay, look, this, this coach over here is apparent, apparently thinks your tank tops are too low and apparently just uh, apparently too much of your, you know, your chest is showing whatever. So I, I, that's how I would have to frame it because I wouldn't be like, Hey, they're too low. Obviously if I didn't think about it, then it, it was probably fine. I, I, I would feel horrible having to say that though. At some point I would have to tell them, but I, I would feel horrible because it, because now, especially hearing y'all, I, I would know how that would make y'all feel. I know that would make y'all feel awfully um, violated. I mean, if I were coach, you know, and I do understand, like, things should have protocols. We should, you know, have some sort of, like, dress code. I would totally understand if I were, like, just out there in a sports bra playing shirtless. Like, you know, I do understand that there is a certain, you know, and we're in high school, so there are certain standards that we have to meet. However, you know, I think of me, I don't, I'm not, like, the most endowed, you know, up here. But then I think of, like, you know, some finding sports rods for say you know girls with bigger chests is hard mm-hmm. you know finding really good quality sports rods for girls can be hard and if you do find them they're going to be way more expensive you know and 
I understand, you know, as a coach, you do need to like, obviously, like, I'm happy she brought it to our attention. But at the same time, I do wish, like, we felt like more supported and defended. And instead, I just like left that conversation feeling very uncomfortable with myself. And, you know, going on that, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, is everyone just staring at my boobs? You know, I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, play a good game. And I'm thinking about, you know, my shots. Um, But instead, it, I'm like, are people not watching me play tennis? And are they just, you know, and then that takes your focus off of actually playing well, because your mind's on a different sort of thing. You know, we talked about, you know, tennis, male tennis players who we find attractive, you know, and it's all fun and games, you know, but it's never, you know, not high school, you know, you're obviously like, oh, like there's a cute guy on the other team, but no, no part of me has ever gotten so distracted by like a guy tennis player and was like to take away from me watching like the actual game of tennis. And I don't feel like, you know, after that, you know, one incident, I felt like that was not the same case for girls. And no, it made for me sure. Feel- I mean, I, and I've, I've definitely made, um, crude jokes about women and, um, I've definitely made them before and I've probably made them about multiple tennis players too. But I mean, I, I do agree. It never distracted from me watching the match and I didn't. And again, I never would have been like, oh my God, that's, that's too low. I, I just never, I don't know. That's, that's something that I never would say. That's something I've never had to think about. And I don't know. It's, it's unfair. I do think it's improving. I do think that is improving slowly. The, the perception of what women have to be or should be, but, um, it will take time as all social movements do. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. All we can really do is, is be the best we can. And I think that is a good spot to close on. Thank you, you guys, so much for coming on. Hey, maybe they think they want to have a podcast. I don't know. Uh, what should we talk about? <laughs> we were just talking about that. And I just want to say you should be honored to have me on this podcast. Okay, okay. I, I call you cute <laughs> like every other day. That's enough ego for you. So. If, if we were to make a podcast, what would we do it over? Medical school. Or should we just do like I mean, in general a, it, girl it could, talk? I feel like could do either one. That'd be females in STEM. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Okay, but for me, just talking about being a female in STEM is like there's a lot to talk about, and it's just it can go in so many directions, and I would not know where to go in that direction. I feel like. So I would need like a set topic. Oh yeah, I'm that's so what- sick of guys in my major thinking they're the shit. Actually, sorry, <laughs> that can be part of the podcast. Anyway, stay tuned. We might want to have a new podcast on Lee Three Pods. We don't know. What you should do is follow us on Twitter at Flags and Fouls and at Making a Racket Three. Follow us there. We'll probably eventually have Facebook and Instagram pages. And most importantly, subscribe to Making a Rack at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We don't care. Tell the world. We don't really care what you do. As I said on on the last episode of Flies and Fouls, in Texas, you don't even need a mask. So 
truly there is too much definitely too much freedom thank you Shaq and Shannon so much our next episode of Making a Racket will be in two weeks on Tuesday March 23rd make sure you also listen to the next episode of Flags and Fouls on March 17th guys it's been fun having y'all what if me and Shaq became regulars on the podcast I mean I'm okay with that really yay I want this to be a regular thing this could be a regular thing I know I know also and the next topic we talk about Nick Kyrgios Shaq just wants to simp